0: Alhamdulillahirrahmanirrahim. 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 The 14th of Rajab is the anniversary of the passing away of Habib Ahmul Mashur bin al Haddad radiyallahu anhum. And this was the 26th of this year. Um I'm going to talk about Habib Ahm al-Mashroo I've split it into two portions the first part will cover his early life, his travels and so on and the second portion will uh, is to do with his Dawah and his love of knowledge so insha'Allah Lillāh, will start Bismillah ar-Rahman Alhamdulillah ala ni'mat al-Islam wa kafā biha the early life of Habib Ahm al-Mashroo bintah al-Hadad May Allah sanctify secret and may Allah illuminate us with his secret. He was the Qutbah the final time. He was the Goth, the crown of the Gnostics, the quintessence of the Ahl al-Bayt, the perfect inheritor of the prophetic knowledge and the master of the people of perfection. The inheritor of Imam al-Haddad He was the holder of the greatest rank of, of veracity, sahib Maqam al al Qubra. He was a complete Gnostic and the Lordly Scholar. Our master Sayyidina Al Imam al Habib Ahmad Mashur al Hadar anhum He was born in the land of Yemen, that land from which the Prophet said, I smell the breath of Allah Rahman. And many of the lordly scholars have interpreted this Yemeni Rahmani breath as being the saintly spirits of the Ba'alu masters who were to be born there. And the reason for this is that scent and breath is a reference to the human spirit specifically the saints from amongst them the prophet said that from amongst the things of this world that he loves is scent and shaykh abdul Karim al Anhu, he states that the meaning of this refers to the spirits of the awliya and not to the perfume that's applied to the body and from from amongst these fragrances which the prophet smelt so sweetly so subtly yet distinctly was the fragrance of the spirit of the saintly Habib Ahl Mashul Haddad. When the Khalifa of the Prophet said Abu Bakr Siddiq, when he was informed of the glad tidings of the conquest of Yemen, he lifted up those blessed hands, those same hands which cradled the blessed head of the Prophet وسلم, on many occasions, and supplicated, Him dua, that, O oh Allah, may you grow from their lands, saints, like greenery grows with the abundance of rain. And one of these drops of rain from the dua of, Abu Bakr, from, from the dua of Abu Bakr Sadiq, عنه, it fell in the small town of Qaydun in the year 1325 Hijri, which corresponds to 1907 of the English calendar, into the blessed womb of a saintly woman, the Sharifa, the Sayyida Anha, who was the daughter of Habib Tahir bin Umar al-Haddad. Say the Safiya was the mother of Habib Ahmad She herself was a saintly woman, a woman of righteousness and knowledge And she was infused with the prophetic sunnah And was surrounded, by, surrounded in an environment where the marifa of Allah was the goal No concern did she have for the positions of this world or what its fortune and fame may offer her saintly son And so it was Her husband, radiyallahu anha the father عنه, the father of Habib was a scholar and Imam, Habib Daha And he had left his homeland for the sake of Allah, carrying the call of the Prophet وسلم, the call of Dawah and Tawlik, to the to the lands of Indonesia. And he was a wali of such purity of heart and humility, that none apart from a few people actually knew about his spiritual rank and maqam. And nobody knew that he was from the rank of those awliya about whom the Prophet ﷺ said, By them you are given reign. By them you are given victory over your enemies, and calamities and burdens are averted from the people of the earth. He was from the rank of the Abdal. The lineage of Habib Aham al is, is a lineage of Gnostics, saints and scholars. It is from amongst the most highest and pure, purest of lineages that have stemmed from the fountain of the Ahl al-Bayt. Imam al-Haddad reminds us in his Qasidah, and I will read the following couplets that we have the best of creation as a father unto Ali al-Murtada goes back our lineage and to his two grandsons do we relate a lineage free from blemish how many leaders thereafter have been created amongst them are the Sadat by this they are well known and with this description have they been described from previous times and days of old like Zain al-Abidin Ali and his son al Bakr, The best of saints And Imam Sadiq The diligent And Ali The possessor of great certainty They are the people Who have been guided And by the grace of Allah They ascended Other than Allah They did not desire And with the Quran They remained affiliated The family of Mustafa The purified They are the protectors of the earth So bear this in mind They resemble the radiant stars Just as it has been mentioned in hadith And they are the ships of refuge So if you fear the high tide of destruction And every harm Take flight to them And like that cling unto Allah And seek refuge in Him O Lord Make us benefit from their barakah And guide us to righteousness by their blessedness And grant us death on their path And save God us from tribulation Ameen This is who Habib's lineage was The light from the Prophet Which gave vice reasons which gave vice regency to the greatest Imams in each age, who in times of darkness would remind us of the true prophetic character, would act as stars in the night, and would protect mankind just like the ark of Nabi al So the early generations looked upon that blessed Imam, who manifested that prophetic light most perfectly in their time, and said that this is Imam Zain al-Abidin radiyallahu anhum. And those that later came and recognized the same light and said, "This is Imam Ali al-Arabi, Others later still saw the same prophetic light and said, "This and said that this is our Master Sinafaqil Mukaddam, radhiyallahu anhu." Another time they saw it and said, "This is Imam Abdullah bin Ali al-Haddad, And we swear by and we swear by Allah that those of it, those of us that saw it during our troubled times. We cried out that this is Habib Ahmad Mushur bin Haddad radiyallahu anhu. His blessed lineage, his shajara sharif, is that he is the Sayyid Ahmad Mushur bin Ta'ha bin Ali bin Abdullah bin Ta'ha bin Abdullah bin Ta'ha bin Umar, who was the brother of Imam Al-Haddad, bin Ali bin Muhammad bin Ahmad bin, bin Abdullah bin Muhammad bin Aliwi bin Ahmad bin Abu Bakr bin Ahmad bin Muhammad bin Abdullah. Bin Abdullah, bin Abdullah. Bin Muhammad bin Aliwi bin Ahmad bin Abu Bakr bin Ahmad bin Muhammad bin Abdullah bin Al-Fahqi Ahmad bin Abdurrahman bin Aliwi who was the uncle of Sinafiqil Muqaddam. Bin Muhammad Sahmer Baat bin Adi Qasim, bin Aliwi bin Muhammad bin Aliwi bin Ubaidullah Bin Al Mahajilalah Ahmad bin Isa bin Muhammad bin Naqib bin Ali al-Auradi. Bin Jafar as-Sadiq bin Muhammad al-Bakr bin bin Imam Ali Zain al-Abidin bin Imam Hussein. Bin Sayyidna al-Imam Ali bin Abi Talib. Wa Sayyidha Fatima Zahra Raddialla ana bin Tirasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa alay sahhiwa aikasalim. As an infant, his mother would re- would recite the Quran to him as she gave him milk, infusing the light of the Quran as his nourishment. Once the Sayyidah heard of the presence of the Qutb of that time, Habib Ahmad bin Hassan al Kaidun. So she sent a young son who was, who was at that time around seven years of age to pray behind him and Habib often would recall this even in later, even in later years and he would comment on the impact that Habib Ahmad bin Hassan al tas had made upon him He had heard, when he joined him for Fajr, he had heard him recite Surah Al-Fatiha and Surah Al-Fajr in the first Raqah and in a second, Surah Al-Fatiha and Surah Al-Lail. And it has, been co- it has been commented by a wali of that time that this meeting was not a chance encounter. But rather, it was a transmission of inheritance between the current carrier of the secrets, who was Habib Ahmad bin Hassan Al-Atas, of, of the Ahlul Bayt, to the next inheritor, Habib Ahmad Masha'ul Hadar. A point of benefit from Muhammad bin Hassan He says that A person carries only two things His effort, his himma And his intention, his niya One's body and limbs are merely the followers of these two characteristics Just like a ship in the ocean Nothing carries it along except the wind and its sails The wind therefore is like a person's effort And his sails are like his intentions He further mentions that person has, in one day, 24,000 breaths And for every hour, a thousand breaths Therefore, if he intends to obey Allah with each of these breaths Then all his actions become righteous And if he intends to disobey Allah with those breaths Then all of his actions become corrupt After this event When Habib Ahmad Mashoor was of the right age Sayyidah Anha, She enrolled him in Daribat and place it under the tutelage of the two great imams, her blessed noble brothers Habib Abdullah and Habib Alawi, the two sons of Habib Tahir bin Abdullah al-Haddad And it was there that he studied from the great scholars of that time. <clears throat> Habib therefore received a thorough grounding in all of the sciences of the Sharia and the illumination of the Hakika at a very young age. His time was spent in either acquiring knowledge or in worship, never resting opposing but continually exerting the greatest effort in all affairs of goodness. Habib was born in the rank of wilayah, yet despite this in his acquisition of knowledge, in his mujahidah and in the time he spent in contemplation and ibadah, he was a rarity amongst his peers. His actions and states would would remind others of the Salaf. Days spent in fasting, nights spent in ibadah, every movement a Reflection of the Sunnah of the Prophet. In later life, he would advise others towards moderation, counseling them to perform only what they could but to be persistent. But in relation to himself, he would sacrifice the whole of his life, his death, his flesh and blood for Allah. Habib would not allow a moment to pass except in the remembrance of Allah. And he would always counsel his students to make use of the time that they have and not to waste it. He once commented that there are, that there are only two groups of people who know the value of time, the Sufis and the English. The resultant blessings of time were witnessed by students. Once one of his students observed that his Dhakr would run into the thousands and this was just between the Adhan and the iqama. And he was asked about this. And he replied that Allah has made time like an elastic band for his awliya who can stretch it as they want Those blessed with inner sight would marvel at the light upon his face and would recognize the greatness of sainthood within him commenting that this is the face of a Qutb It was for such reasons like the light of Jamal upon him that Habib would often have to, as a young man, veil his face from others then Habib travelled with the sheikh to Indonesia, when he was less than twenty years of age, where again he received from many of the Alawi scholar masters. Every teacher would honour him and w- would provide plenty of glad tidings for him. He then returned to Qaydun and remained with the sheikh Habib Abdullah bin Tahir, learning and teaching thereabout there, where students of knowledge benefited from him greatly. Habib would often be found in the port of Makallah in Hadramaut the seaport when setting out for a journey or returning from one at such times he would often meet with a Gnostic Habib Ahmad bin Muhsin al-Haddar anhum. now Habib Ahmad bin Mossin al-Haddar anhum, he was a saint a Gnostic a man of tremendous spiritual power and he was from Habib's very 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 special mashaykh. Since Habib Ahmad bin Masin al-Haddar was the sheik al al-Fat, for Habib Ahmad Mashoor He was the Sheikh of the spiritual opening for Habib Ahmad Mashoor al-Haddad anhum. It is related that once Habib Ahmad bin Masin al-Haddar He gave Habib Ahmad a, 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 a subha, a t-s-pi. And Habib will keep that tasbi in a locked box in East Africa One day Habib opens his box and finds that it's no longer there Saddened at this and not finding it anywhere else he عنه, gave up on the matter until one day he happened to be in Maqalla visiting in Sheikh, and lo he saw the very same Subha in the hands of Habib Ahmed Hab- Habib Ahmed al Masin Haddar The Sheikh smiled and said one day I wanted a Subha to pray on and I realized that I gave my only one to you so I reached my hand into your box and took it from there SubhanAllah Then As time passed, Habib travelled to East Africa in 1347 Hijri, which corresponds to approximately 1928 of the uh, English calendar. And he travelled to the port of Zanzibar, where the people received Habib with love and respect. And it was the month of Ramadan, where he began teaching the Tafsir in the main mosque. He started the Tafsir with Surat Al Fatiha and he spoke for 15 days about one verse. 15 days About one verse The blessed age Of, of Habib Al-Haddad عنه, At that time Was 22 years old He was 22 years old Much of Habib's discourses And correspondences Revolved around the Quran Allah had opened the doors Of Ilm, ilm al duni and Habib had, a share, Habib, Habib had a share that he received from his Glorious Grandfather Sayyidina Imam Ali anh, may Allah his face, Who said regarding Surah Al-Fatiha Were I to write an explanation of the dot which the pen makes in writing the Bismillah of Surah Al-Fatiha It would weigh down 70 camels In later life his family would recall how he would after the prayer Explain the meanings of the verses that that he would have recited after the Fatiha and then he would ask one of the sons to get a copy of a tafsir and then they would see what the the commentators have uh, said about these particular verses The connection that Habib had with the Quran can be explained by some of his own words As for those Imams whose clear hearts have been open to the understanding of the speech of Allah the Exalted and the delight of communing with Him they have in their recitation of the Qur'an, night and day, the most, subl- most sublime fount and the sweetest and most satisfying nourishment. The, mur- the mighty Qur'an is the wellspring of their hearts, the banishment of their sorrows and their supreme delight in this world. This was the state of the companions of the Prophet sallam. He also advised all Muslims, especially those who aspire to the way of the afterlife, that they should make a regular habit of reciting part of the Quran, however small, every night and every day, taking care to be offensive and intone it correctly, since this since this brings an abundant reward and constitutes a close discourse a, a close discourse with the Lord of with the Lord of Lords. And he would also advise those who had an inclination towards knowledge to make sure that they looked into the reputable tafsirs of the Qur'an in order to gain some understanding of the speech of Allah Habib Ahl Mashur mashhor He returned to Africa whilst on his way to Hajj in the year 1351 Hijri which is 1932 of the English calendar He entered the main port of uh, um, sorry, he entered the main Kenyan port of Mombasa and from there he went to meet Habib Saleh bin Aliwi Jamal Alil in Lamu and he was a great scholar and da'i. And he is from the students of the Qutb, Imam Ali bin Muhammad bin Hussain al-Habshi. And Imam Ali al-Habshi is the composer of the Maulid Sharif, Simt al-Durr. Habib Saleh was also the founder of the first school for Islamic learning in East Africa. Habib Saleh now was at a, was at a grand age at this time. And he ordered his son to bring all the students out to receive and welcome Habib Ahl-Mashur. He then prayed for him and gave him the ijazah, after which he placed him forward. And so Habib led them in the Zohar prayer. Habib continued the journey for the Hajj. In later life, others who travelled with Habib and the Hajj would relate that when he would enter the Haram of Makkah, the Kaaba itself would come into motion, welcoming the Imam of the time to its sanctuary. Habib whispered to his student once, Do you see how the Kaaba is welcoming me? However, concerns on the state of people in Africa did not leave, did not leave him. On his way to the Hajj, Habib Ahmadshu wrote, wrote to Habib Aliwi bin Muhammad al-Haddad, expressing his, expressing his concern, and saying that the coastlands of Africa were in state of imminent crisis; that the Muslims had been targeted by missionaries and deviant sect, and many had left their religion or their aqidah was confused. So it was after that Hajj, with the, by permission from the Prophet that Habib Ahmadshu returned back to Africa. When Habib returned to East Africa, <coughs> he made Mombasa his resident. Now at this point, we must make mention of the last of Habib's greatest teachers The Qutb of the time, the Ghaz, Bahru al Mahid, the Sayyid Imam Habib Umar bin Ahmad bin Abi Bakr bin Sumayat A leading Gnostic, a shining star of Wilaya. Not, reali- well, not only was he a realized spiritual master but he possessed great learning in all of the four madhabs and he was the chief qadi the chief judge in zanzibar and he was often called to go overseas to settle disputes in muslim lands due to his incredible insight and knowledge of fiqh thus he became the de facto chief justice of all islamic east africa he was a true man of allah and one who, before whom all pretenses and illusions faded it is related that once Habib Umar bin Smith asked his student to move his chair from its normal position to the other side of the room. When the student had had done this, Habib Umar immediately ordered him to put back his chair as it was in the original position. The student did as he was, as he was told, and then he looked at Habib Umar bin Smith, and he found tears in his eyes, and he asked Habib Umar what the matter was, and Habib Umar replied that when the chair, when his chair had been moved, he saw the whole of the Malakut changing his position with the movement of the chair. Habib Ahmad Moshur would show the utmost etiquette and love before his Sheikh, and he had an immense rabbiata connection with him. People would observe that, that when Habib Ahmad Moshur was in the same house as, as Habib Umar, all in different rooms, whenever Habib Umar Mismet would stand, Habib Ahmad Mushur would stand. Whenever his Sheikh would sit, he would do likewise. This is despite the fact that there were walls between the Sheikh and the Murid. Habib would refuse to go upstairs, would, would, refuse, would refuse to go up. The stairs of a house. If he knew, if he knew that his sheikh Habib Umar Smith was downstairs, and he would never ever eat in front of his sheikh. And if he had to, he would go out and drink, out of sight of Habib Umar. This was a tremendous other than respect that he showed. When greeting his sheikh, he would kneel. He would kneel down and greet him. And in gatherings, he would sit where the shoes of uh, Habib Umar Smith were. He never sat directly inside, but where the shoes were. That's that is where Habib Ahmed should would sit. Habib visited, visited Habib Umar Smith frequently in Zanzibar and in the Comoro Islands. And Habib Umar bin Smith visited Habib Ahmashur in Kenya and Uganda also. Habib began calling people to Allah. He was a tireless da'i. He would spend night and day in the service of creation. And he would take what provisions he could he could manage and to go on these journeys for da'wah and Tabling to calling people to Allah. He would travel deep into the African jungles to those tribes knew nothing of Tawheed but Habib would teach them La ilaha illallah For those who would accept Islam Habib would have new clothes ready for them He would teach them the obligations of the deen and then move on not abandoning anyone but always maintaining close links with his students And towards this end he established madrasas and masajid for new converts to be able to learn about Allah and his messenger In East Africa he bought tens of thousands of people out of the darkness of shirk into the light of Tawhid Habib's house was a centre for young seekers of knowledge and there were many young people in East Africa who became his students and who are now considered examples of great character and learning and Allah saved many people through him and many people people became Muslim at his hands those people who were polytheists and Christians his reputation spread throughout the horizons of that continent of Africa and he was offered many times the highest office the position of qadi, but he would refuse Habib Ahl Moshur would would organize gatherings of Mawlid and would invite people to the love of the greatest beloved Sayyidina Rasulullah Habib himself was in the rank of Fanafil Rasul meaning that he was annihilated in the love of the Prophet and he once remarked to one of his students that even if I wanted to separate myself from the Prophet, salallahu sallam, I would not be able to. This is similar. This is similar to what once the great Imam, the great Wali, Abul uh, Mawahab Shahadli Radiallah once said that if the Prophet salallahu wa sallam, was to be veiled from me for even the blink of an eye, I would consider myself an unbeliever. Imam Abdul Wahhab Sha'arrani wa he mentions something of this. He says that the worth of Salawat of Shaykh Ahmad Azabi was forty thousand salawat every day. And he says that Shaykh Ahmad once said to him, to Imam Sha'rani, that our way is to be abundant in salawat upon the Prophet wasallam until we are able to sit with him in a wakeful state and we accompany him just as the companions used to. And we are able to ask him regarding our deen and those hadith which the scholars say might be weak. And then practice what he wasallam says. If this does not happen with us, then we are not amongst those who are abundant in salawat we cannot even guess the number of salawat the Habib must have been engaged in on a daily basis May Allah sanctify his secret Habib had his own salawat, which he received through inspiration The, like, the likes of which would have filled books Imam Abdul Wahab Sha'rani anh, He continues He says that To have the companionship of the Prophet وسلم, re- Requires tremendous purity Until a servant is fit to be able to sit in his presence anyone who has some anything wrong within themselves which which they would be embarrassed to be manifested either in this world or the next is not fit for the companionship of the Prophet وسلم, even though he might be performing the worship of both the jinn and the humans put together so from this we can understand somewhat at the greatness of purity of Habib al Anhu, and what kind of purity he must have possessed Once Habib Ahl-Mashur, one of the murids went to receive him at the airport And Habib extended his blessed hand and said, quickly shake my hand For I have just shaken hands with the Prophet Habib Ahl-Mashur, he enters Uganda in 1375 Hijri, Which corresponds to 1956 of the uh, English calendar And he found that many tribes, they had no religion except idolatry And he found those that had been influenced through missionary efforts and had now become christians And he also found some resident muslims there and some hindus but very few arabs and there were also those sects that had left islam such as the qadianis and the ismailis so habib then embarked on a program of dawah to call people to the truth and so he traveled to the villages into the depths of the jungles even to the tribes of the pygmies in the congo wherever he went the people would enter into islam and they would learn the principles of Tawhid and the Sharia and Masajids, Masajids would be built. There were many Mashayikh of Habib and to count them all is difficult. Between all those whom you received from in Hadramaut to those around Hadramaut, to those in Indonesia, to those in the two noble sanctuaries in Makkah thal- in, uh, in and in Madinah al as well as those in Africa as well. So this was the first part of the... Uh, Talk about Habibah al-Mashur The second portion is Basically to do with his love for knowledge And dawah Habibah al-Mashur He was an extremely Self-sufficient individual He did not accept anything From anyone to benefit himself And he did not like to accept things for free He would purchase his meat From a shop that was further away As the one in his local area would not accept Money from him Habib also had a small business to remain self-sufficient so he would not have to be dependent on anyone and some of his students would help him run the business so that he could spend more time doing dawah. He once said to one of his companions, I entered into the business of trade to protect myself from seeking from others and I work with the general people who are unaware of the people of knowledge and their importance and remain patient with them. Thus, therefore, Habib was protected from being drawn towards wealthy people and impressed by their flattery. And he, was not inf- and he was not influenced by other people's opinions. He always, repain- he always remained independent in his thinking, always giving a priority to calling people to Allah <coughs> Habib had an extreme passion for knowledge. He established many Islamic schools and mosques. He would convene gatherings of knowledge, compose books, he would give ser- sermons upon the member in the mosque and compiler He also established an Islamic library in Kampala to help in East Africa to help seekers of knowledge alongside many other mosques and centres of learning under his instruction. And he kept his house open to the people to help them in their affairs and to respond to their queries. And he had a great concern for the affairs of the people throughout his life. He would bear the burdens of their problems and he strove to rectify their affairs. And he worked hard to provide physical and spiritual benefit to the people. He would support all the people in the field of Dawah and work with them fulfilling all of their rights he did not criticize the efforts of people calling to religion no matter how unqualified they were he did not he did not dishonor them or shame them in fact he praised the efforts of all the da'is that came to him habib's method of dawa in east africa he dedicated a lot of his life he would live he would stay in jeddah in, in uh, saudi arabia six months and then he would spend six months in mombasa he is fluent in arabic and swahili his dawa in Africa extended from Somalia to the Congo including Kenya, Uganda, Dar es Salaam, Zanzibar, Pemba Island, the Comoro Islands, Ethiopia, Sudan. <clears throat> Initially he lived in Mombasa, Kenya and then he traveled to Kampala in Uganda and settled there approximately for 8 years. He called people to Allah in the mosques that he established. Regular gatherings were held. He would teach every day after the dhuhr prayer. And then it would be translated into the local languages. He travelled to neighbouring to towns and small villages for the hour. He spiritually penetrated the hearts of the people and encouraged them to abandon false practices that had filtered into the Muslim communities due to ignorance and the lack of Islamic preachers. He discouraged the mixing of men and women. He encouraged women to wear the hijab. He fought against daughters being deprived of inheritance. He fought against communism. He fought, he fought against the Qadianis and try to revert them back to orthodox islam (coughs) It is well known that in Mombasa he would sit outside the house with a cup of tea and whenever he saw a non-muslim pass by he he would invite them in for a cup of tea and they would not finish their tea but that they had said the Shahada and accepted Islam He would take perilous journeys into the jungles of East Africa raising the banner of Tawheed and the people of those areas during that time knew that the conditions that Habib and his companions went through during their efforts to spread the religion were not easy. and Despite these harsh harsh conditions, Habib addressed the people with wisdom and kindness to instill the feeling within them that Islam is the natural, innate religion for mankind. His impact was such that when he entered into a village where the people had no knowledge of Islam, it was a custom for women in that village to dress bare-chested, but when they saw Habib Ahmad Mashoor al-Haddad and they gazed at his face they immediately lay down onto the ground to cover themselves up Before he embarked on calling people to the religion he made an effort to understand, understand their shortcomings first what their conditions were, what their circumstances were then he would tend to their needs and support them and only after that would he slowly start to communicate the teaching of Islam according to their level So when he first went into the jungles He began by taking food and clothes for the people. He would feed them, show kindness to them and then he would gently introduce the subject of Islam. And he taught them that the relationship with one believer to another is based on brotherhood, love and standing together to support one another. And he taught them that the main distinguishing features of Islam are liberty, equality and justice and that all people are equal. The only thing that distinguishes one person from another is their God consciousness. He simplified these teachings and addressed the people according to their level of understanding This instilled in them the true desire and contentment and they embraced the religion of Islam It was a religion that gave them self-worth, it, it had values and excellent morals <clears throat> I will relate one miracle of Habib Al-Mashur It is said that once he was sailing down the course of East Africa and he heard some voices so he docked his boat and he went into a forest he came upon a group of jinn and they were reciting the Ratab al-Haddad and they did not allow him to pass until he gave them the ijazah for it SubhanAllah in his lifetime Habib Ahm al-Mashur he performed approximately 40 Hajj and whenever he went to Madinat al munawwarah he would not enter until he saw a vision of the Prophet wa sallam, allowing him to enter until such a time came that he had a vision of the Prophet and the Prophet spoke to him and said that from this day onwards that you do do not need to seek my permission you may enter and go as you please Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen Jazakukhin for listening thank you so much for your time so this was some information about Habib Al-Mashur some background information about his life, his upbringing his, his, the impact that he had in East Africa, his dawa and Tabligh. May Allah raise his rank in paradise and grant us closeness, closeness and proximity to him here and hereafter. And may Allah illuminate us with his seeker as well. <laughs>